Hello, lovely listeners. It is Harriet Bearholtz and her father. Randy Bearholtz. And we are here with episode five. Can you believe that we've made it five episodes so far? Isn't that crazy? So far, we still love each other and we're still talking, talking the good talk and uh, fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight (laughs) for all of you listeners and for all of our fellow Americans here. And this is the, as Harriet said, the fifth episode of Now Hear Me Out. Now Hear Me Out. So uh, why don't we get into it uh, today? I'm telling you. All right, this week, it's Wednesday, November. Feels like it's Friday. It's November 13th. 13th right now. And I'm telling you, uh, today was the first day, the start of the impeachment hearings. But I'm telling you, the wacky world of politics, including that of, of our subset here, California politics, you know, it just gives us ammunition. It makes I mean, you feel like you're taking crazy pills at times. With, I mean, you seriously can't make this shit up. And you'll understand what we mean exactly by that, quite literally, a little bit later. We will get into that. But Harry, <laughs> why don't you start off on the impeachment stuff? It's, you know, your mom turned on the news today and it's on every well, freaking yeah, channel, yeah. you know, and it's in the newspapers about how Donald Trump is just the worst president in the world. I love how he sounds so shocked, like this is some sort of new breaking news he's never heard before. But but I saw a study today said that 97% of the post- you know, the, of the of the um, coverage, the press coverage on Donald Trump the last two months has been negative. But is that it's been fair? negative since the day he was oh. made president? No, but let's be honest here. You keep saying that you think that the Dems, the dirty Dems, as you say, were gunning to get Trump out of office the minute he was elected. I think it primarily has to do with the fact that we never wanted him to be elected in the first place. But we, yes, of course, we. we. I'm speaking for the Democrats okay, that's and good. the American people with pure hearts that aren't total scumbags. Um, she doesn't mean it. It was how she was raised. <laughs> Slam on yourself. <laughs> I only account for the good stuff in her, the bad stuff. I'm my not mom's gonna... from England. She's not a Democrat. But anyway. No, she's not, actually. Oh, my goodness. So why don't you start off with impeachment? Tell us what is going on. What's the big deal? And what happened today in the wonderful world of impeachment? So pretty much today, as you said, it's on every news channel. And there was a lot of things that were mentioned and talked about. Um, but what I kind of took away in my main talking points that I wanted to address were they obviously uh, questioned the the diplomats, George Kent and Bill Taylor. And one of the things that they really that really stood out for me that they talked about is how it's much harder uh, for U.S. officials overseas um, because of the fact that this impeachment inquiry is going on. Um, it's hard for U.S. officials, foreign U.S. officials overseas, to do their jobs when an American leader has asked a foreign power like you know Ukrainian President Zelensky to investigate political rivals, his political rival, Joe Biden. Um, they pretty much really you know broke it down and said that it's extremely hard for foreign diplomats to advocate on behalf of you know the United States and their supposed democratic values that we have as a nation because it makes it harder for them to carry out policy goals. Um, their whole credibility as, you know, representing the U.S. overseas is based off of people having respect for the United States. And so by Trump asking Ukrainian President Zelensky to look into Joe Biden, our national credibility is pretty severely damaged. And the way in which people view us as a nation is is different. And I think it's personally been different ever since President Trump was elected. Um, I mean, something, for example, when you and I were traveling in China, what people had to say about Obama, we could really see based off of how Chinese people in China talked about him. And the main thing I got was, you know, Obama, great president, so handsome. And that's pretty much all anybody had to say. But now you talk to, to Chinese students over here, or and we'll get into this later, obviously, or people in China, and it's negative. The The view of President Trump is inherently negative. He is a international laughingstock. 
But what about the impeachment here? No, so, I'm so just look. okay. So, so this, okay. Why do we even have this right now? I, I, I mean, look, I'm a Republican, as you know. No. Yes, <laughs> and it's true. I have the tattoo. But you know, but to me, what's going on is the Democrats have fielded a weak candidate of presidential, you know, of, of, of the presidential candidates right now. You know, and and to me, this is this is they've been planning this since before President Trump started, as we talked about. They here. planned for President Trump to threaten to withhold aid from Zelensky. But, you know, it was going to be something. It was going to be something <laughs> that they wanted to to move forward. on. No, no, no. Here, OK, I'm now oh, hearing yeah, you out. No, no, no. Hear me, hear me out as, well, as, as, <laughs> our, as our, you know, as we say this. But, you know, to me. This is just a way to badmouth somebody during an election season, just as the Democratic Party is doing with with uh, Supervisor Kristen Gaspar in San Diego County. What they do, you know, from what I can see is they target Republicans who are very popular. They try to target them with phony suits that they know are going to be accusations and that and that they know are going to try to diminish the reputations of the politician during the election season and that are not going to result in prosecutions, but it is it will accomplish their purpose. Their purpose is to win the election. Which you believe is to schmear, schmear, it's not a bagel, to smear their name. And to schmear it. <laughs> and to schmear it as well. Maybe I'm hungry. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, you're saying pretty much it's to damage the reputation because that recognition, regardless of whether or not they're actually persecuted for a crime or punished for it, that tarnishing. It's prosecuted for a crime. They can be persecuted too in the public eye. I mean, oh yes, you're right. Yeah, you, you are. You're they can right. face public right. persecution. You could. Um, and you know, legal prosecution. That's right. But okay. But well, yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying, and I understand why Republicans would say that. I do. I hear, heard you out on that. I definitely do. Um, but I think that Trump put Zelensky in a very dangerous position, and this is something that was also touched on uh, during the hearings today. Um, when I forget exactly who it was that said this today, I think it might have been the foreign diplomats. Um. Or somebody in the, the White House office. I can't remember. There were there's a lot of people today speaking about the impeachment. Uh, but basically, what they were saying is that when Trump spoke to President <laughs> Zelensky, he was desperate. He was in a very desperate position. And if Ukrainian aid would have been cut off, it would have very much weakened the Ukraine's negotiations with Russia and potentially left them open to Russia taking advantage of their their weakness and potentially attacking the Ukraine. And you know, Zelensky knew he couldn't say no. He was is in a this position- an excuse? No, it's what do you just mean? An, you know, it's just, just a Democratic, it's, you know, were the Democrats going to find something? I mean, you know, it, it seems like they were so hell-bent on impeachment here. Okay. Was this that, I mean, first we had talked but about Russian, happened. but first we talked about Russian collusion. And, yes. and then there was show there was no Russian collusion. And now it's, it's it, you know, then it was Stormy, you know, first it was Stormy Daniels. And then all this stuff. Stormy's okay, not as stormy as but that actually happened. I don't know. Do you know whether it happened? Were you there he in the room? He paid her off. He paid his lawyer to pay her off. You don't pay a porn star if you have nothing to hide. You as a person- Editorial comment right now. I have never paid off a porn star. <laughs> Just so we're clear on Just that. Just so we're clear Just so we're clear. Rachel, my wife, Rachel, at 33 years, I have never paid off a porn star. Oh my God. Okay, just so we're clear. Oh. And I don't know anybody named Stormy. <laughs> I don't know if that's her Christian name, I, say, but who knows? I don't even want to go her there. Her parents were, uh, were weather forecasters. That's right. That's right. But, but no, President Trump doesn't need anybody else's help to make himself look bad. We can put our hands up and just let him do his thing because he's going to tweet something crazy. I mean, case in point. President Trump, we want you to, if you're listening to this show, we want you to tweet about this show. Please tweet about this show. <laughs> Sorry, editorial comment again. 
<laughs> my dad literally, his whole life would be made, I think, if President Trump tweeted about this show, giving it a, a positive thumbs up. He'd probably personally tell me to suck it, but he'd give my dad his, his vote of support, most likely. He would hate me, but, uh, you know, I'd kiss up to him. I'd, I'd make him like me. But, uh, but yeah, pretty much what I was saying, though, is that I think Zelensky was in a very dangerous position. I think he was he was desperate. He knew he needed this aid in order to deal with Russia. And if he he left himself open to Trump asking this favor. And that's kind of how the conversation went. And another person who was interviewed today also <laughs> claims to have overheard the conversation and told the contents of the conversation. Somebody who worked in that, the White House. But, but I thought, I think President Zelensky yeah. of Ukraine said that there was no quid pro quo. And in my understanding from my legal background, you know, in 28 years practicing that if somebody overhears something, that's well, really hearsay. hearsay. Yes. And, and, you know, and, and he can only testify to his experience and that's yeah, what he's being asked to do. Yeah, But, but you have to then look to, you know, my understanding from, from some of these individuals who, who are appearing as, I guess, He's doing bunny quotes I'm right now, which is really right now. annoying. Witnesses. <laughs> it's not a maybe. They were witnesses to something, even if you don't yeah, believe it happened. Yeah, but this whole thing is, is, is that, you know, <laughs> to me, if you look at the background of these people, these are people who, who are trying to find- Who work in the White find, House? These are trying to find, you know, these are people who are trying to find stuff on President Trump. And 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 as and as uh, former ambassador Nikki Haley has, has recently come out and said- Did you say bastard? No, ambassador. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You got to clean. I don't know where she got this. Oh stuff. my gosh! No, that's, that's it's, literally it's what probably the Berkeley exactly. College of Music when she was a music school. She started learning how to speak. <laughs> she was a good girl. She went to private oh school. Oh my gosh! All those years. Shout out to Berkeley, the real Berkeley, spelled B E R K L E E. Yes, we're the Jazz Cats, baby. Oh man, <laughs> that, that basketball team is pretty good there. <laughs> but hey, but, but you know. Um, I don't even know where I'm at. No, yeah, I mean, it's fine. We we disagree on the impeachment. We obviously disagree about the purposes of it. But I personally think that they're, and this is something I spoke to a couple of conservative friends of mine this week about who actually support President Trump. They're saying if there's nothing to hide, if he really did nothing wrong, we should let this impeachment trial proceed because it'll just make the Democrats look stupid. And they'll once again, like what happened with the Russia collusion inquiry, it'll show nothing happened. And they'll be able to say, we told you so. So why not? If but, that's really what people think. But what gets to me is. How every, long did we harp on the Obama birth certificate thing, though? How long did we harp on that? President Trump was the crusader but, for that. But, but what gets to me is the interplay and the connection between the press and the Democratic Party and the, and the Democratic congressman right now. If you look at it, it's a lockstep. Poor President Trump has, oh my God. has maybe has Fox News, part of Fox News. They don't News even left. like him anymore. But you know, so, so, but, but, but you know. But you, but Ted, at what point, this is like when you date someone and you have 10 different guys that you date as, as a woman or man or whatever, and none of them work out. Eventually you have to think, maybe I'm the problem. If no news sources want to deal with him and see him in a positive light, not even Fox, which was up his butt for the entire election cycle until recently. I mean, I don't even think Rush Limbaugh supports him anymore. What does that say about him oh, as a Rush president? Rush Limbaugh, of course he supports the president. Sometimes. You should see some of the commentary he said. Even people at Breitbart are starting to pull away from him. We're talking Breitbart. Like, that's not a good sign. President Trump, I support you. Oh, my God. This is fake news. Don't <laughs> no, listen not. to them. In America, you know what this is. He wants is. to come snuggle with you at night, President Trump. He'll keep you warm. I don't. <laughs> I will not comment on that statement by my daughter. But at the same time, though, 
What's that dating book? Maybe it's me. That's what we should be getting for President Trump right now. Maybe I'm the problem. I I don't think so. But, but, you know, summarizing it from the right here is that, you know, America, you know, we have a democratic process. Let's hope... Let's hope the Democrats follow that process. We have a Republican form of government. Let's just make sure they follow it. And to those Republican, you know, you know, uh, congressmen and senators, I, I think congressmen mostly who went in and barged in on on a private meeting. Good on you. That's the way you open that's, up. That's being. That's the way you open this up. Is that to, following the process, bursting in on a meeting he wasn't invited to? I think this actually was because there's something called the Sunshine Act and the like, and and. The, the actions of our representatives, I think, need to be more open. I will agree with you. Okay. So what we try to do on this show sometimes we'll is to find have, common ground. Yeah, yeah. That's how you create. I don't believe like the president believes in building walls. I think you should build bridges personally. And I think building bridges is how you bridge the gap between political parties. Well, look, you know, and that's finding common ground. One of the problems right now in America, as we've talked about, is to be, just have Democrats, Republicans talking with each other. One of the problems with these impeachment hearings some moderate Republicans and some conservative Democrats are feeling like it's the left and the right going at each other. And there's no place for them. Yeah. And, 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 in and you all, feel like that, though, too. Yeah, and in, all, that, you in know? all honesty, guys, we should be talking about candidates' views on issues right now. The Democratic Party should be, you know, withering their, you know, their candidates down to, I'm sorry, whittling them down. <laughs> or, withering, or withering, whatever. It's probably... <laughs> That's probably, probably I don't know, whole ball. I don't know what that was, but you know, yeah, we're gonna say things on this show. If, oh, if thank God there are two of he's us. He's from so. Shimokin. One thing we could do that's a shout out to Shimokin here is I grew up thinking certain words were stole. words sold has a D on the end of it. It's the past tense of stole. Another one is he sh- sold something. Stuck when something is a stuck versus a. St- I don't know. It's like a stuck kind of thing. And the funny thing was, is when I went with my dad to China um, and we we met with a, a girl uh, who's actually a lawyer. She's amazing. Her name's Brandy Brennan. Coolest girl. She's, uh, on, she's from, Ashland, oh, goodness, right? she's from an area that's relatively Ashland, close. close. Yeah, to Shimokin. And she confirmed, she grew up saying this same exact stuff. same stuff. Stole, stuck, and she confirmed it. Look under coalcrackers.com. <laughs> that's where you'll really see how how, how America speaks. Oh, but, Harry, God. but anyway. Let's now talk about, you know, let's talk Talk about something that's freaking California weird. Maybe oh, this God. is part okay. of our Hey Gavin segment. Yeah, this can be included. So, well, have so, you seen his commentary at all on this recently? Has he commented? I haven't really seen anything. I haven't anything. seen I anything about it. Let's talk about the Pea Party. Oh, Jesus now, Harriet, what is the Pea Party? And who's this new oh. DA in San Francisco? Do you, do you know much about yeah. it? What's his name? Go ahead. Um, His name is, I think it's Chesa Burdain. It might be Chisa, but I'm just going to call him Boudain. Not Burdain. He's not Anthony Burdain. God rest his First soul. First of all, call your kids freaking ordinary name. Hey, hey, hey. Chessa. We have a really good friend who just named their daughter Chessa. It's the cutest what the hell were, name. What did you get Chessa from? What is that? Do you remember the parrot trap? Do you remember no. the, the, the oh, woman yes, who was the, the nanny? Trap. She was really pretty. She had like freckles and she lived in the vineyard with uh, Dennis Quaid. She was Chessa. Chessa. It's the cutest name. Well, I think was her adorable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the parent trap movie. Exactly. I know you did. You took me and to go see And if anybody it. ever, you know, look, you know, having a daughter 23 and 27, I'm sorry, I miss some of those kid movies, but that that that's another it's thing. It's a cute movie. But the Parent Trap, because I have a British wife, the Parent Trap is very special to us. <laughs> He's gonna cry. I, I'm gonna cry. But the but pee anyway, party. Pee party. Let's well, talk about it. My dad called party? me up this morning pee? and said to me, "I thought he was either having a stroke or mispronouncing something." Knock on what is he saying? Oh yeah, knock yeah. on this. Go yeah. ahead. I know, very superstitious. But um, 
Yeah. So pretty much he just kept saying, Harriet, got to talk about the pee party. And so I deep dove into the pee party this morning and probably spent a good Not literally. Hours. But no, not literally. That would, that would be a little stinky. But so pretty much the Boston Tea Party obviously inspired the fun naming of the San Francisco Pea Parties. Well, no, no, but, but, but the, the Republican Tea Party. Well, no, obviously, but right. we're talking about the OG Boston Tea Party, Pea Party is what, you know, we're, we're flipping around the wording. Okay. Okay. okay either way. Okay, so pretty much what's being said right now is in order to fight the, quote, lawlessness stemming from a decision made by the San Francisco DA that they will no longer prosecute. Is it not right to life? Is that what it's called? No, no, no. It's it. it, it what is it called? It, it, it's uh, oh, they have a, a quality of life infractions, a quality of life infraction. Yeah. So obviously, a.k.a. Yeah. Peeing and pooping on the street. And camping, and it, it actually incorporates a couple of other elements as well. But pretty much the DA is saying uh, he will no longer, Chessa, the one that my dad thought had a weird name, will no longer prosecute crimes uh, relating to that. So it's urinating, defecating, camping in public, so setting up camps and stuff like that. Um, pretty much, yeah, so the, the new DA has said that. My dad called me this morning and said, oh, it's the guy who uh, his parents, I guess, went to jail. Well, yeah, so, so, so my understanding is both of his parents were part of the 1960s and 70s, well, well, no, no, the, or rebels. The, no, the, the, the Weather Underground, which was a radical, I, I think it was a San Francisco-based group. My understanding is they robbed an armored car. Three people got killed in, in that. And, uh, and his parents either either served a long time in jail or, or were still I'm in jail. I'm pretty sure they both went to jail. I don't know yeah. if they're still there. But, uh, but anyway, obviously, as we talked about, I don't think you should be judged based off of what your parents have done. Um, this guy obviously fought hard to, to get to where he is now. He's you know, a DA in San Francisco. But, um, you know, he's not to be held responsible for that. But pretty much uh, the Pea Party name came from um, a couple of people. Jesse Waters of Fox News. Uh, suggested that um, Chesa Boudin might change his mind if people started peeing in front of and around his home or setting up tents and encampments on the sidewalk outside of his home or even on his front lawn. It's not sure if he's serious or not. And then an article came out today from uh, John, I think his name is Benzoff, I want to say. John Benzoff who's a public interest law professor who nicknamed it the Pea Party. And he is arguing that people peeing on Democrats' lawns, he said that they're going to give out lists of known Democratic addresses um, and by, you know, to call out the lawlessness of Boudin's decision and to harm, you know, to do it harm. Um, they should, people should, quote, carry around bottles that they can pee into to hold their own urine and then use it whenever Boudin might be around San Francisco to try to make him consider these laws, which I think is just freaking nuts. It's nucking futs. Like, let's talk about this. Yeah, you know, my wife and I lived in San Francisco in the summer of 1988. Beautiful town at that time. And to be honest with you, I go back, I go to a life sciences convention every year in, in January in San Francisco. And I'm telling you, that city is going down the tubes. I mean, just the number of homeless, just the, you know, the, the you know, there's just the, the how, how the homeless look to, uh, today. I, I mean, I, you know, you, you, you can see mental illness, you can see, you know, you know, needles, you can see them doing drugs alcohol, you know, they have turned San Francisco into a cesspool. Do you remember once Harry Harry actually was there in a summer program once. I was going to be doing an internship and I ended up actually coming home early. Uh, This is back when I was a little bit thinner and better looking and younger. Um, And not saying that has a ton to do with it. But uh, I was staying at a place on Market Street and which is, you know, a big hub in San Francisco. It's It's a big street. There's lots of shopping and it's a pretty cosmopolitan area. 
But I remember it was in the summer, it was hot as all hell. And I was walking to and from my internship and to and from various places around the area and just getting harassed verbally constantly. I was getting followed and I felt, I was probably what, 18, yeah. uh, maybe 17. I felt so unsafe. I felt, I was scared. I remember running into a building and calling my parents and I'm not some sort of like pansy, no offense, but I've, you know, traveled in China. I've been alone on my, a lot on my own. And I, I spent a ton of time in New York on my own as well. And I never felt this unsafe. I was in Boston for college. There's a lot of homeless there. It wasn't like this. And I have to say, and this isn't trying to be funny. I think it has to do with how nice the weather is in California. The homeless are well, more San comfortable wet. here. Yeah. But people in miserable. Boston are freezing. They oh, are no. too cold to be crazy. <laughs> Um, and I just remember people openly smoking and I'm, I'm for, you know, the legalization of marijuana. I think what taxes, you know, it's going towards doing in California. That's a whole other conversation, but this is before it was legalized. Uh, people were just openly smoking on the street and just yelling vulgar stuff to people as they passed by. Let's talk about, you know, at the same time, let's talk about what happened in Los Angeles, you know, yeah. With a woman walking. So, so everything, what, what happened in Los Angeles, a woman was walking, was walking by the Hollywood by the walk. Uh, walk of Fame. I'm pretty sure. Why don't you sure. tell us a little bit about that? Oh, well, this woman was just walking by the Walk of I mean, it's a pretty short story, yeah. but she was walking by the Walk of Fame. And before she knew it, some homeless guy came and dumped a bucket of, quote, hot, steaming diarrhea on her. And she just said she remembers it dripping down her eyes. She called an ambulance and was taken to, I think, Cedar Sinai. And uh, they obviously ran tests because you have no idea what kind of diseases these people are carrying. They're living on the street and they're doing drugs, most likely. And it's terrifying that this type of stuff can happen. You know, Do you remember when we were in we were in San Francisco once. And the naked uh, guys? yeah, and, and, and you, were, you were like 14, 14 or something. Yeah. We're walking. But they weren't homeless. No, but these these guys <laughs> were is, just. This is a pride walk, parade. This, no, it wasn't even a pride yes, parade. It was. No, 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 no. These two guys were was walking. Was that leather festival? No, do you I, I, don't, I hope not. I hope I don't remember that. Oh, well, I mean, not No, no. Okay. These guys way. were just walking down the street, buck naked. They did have sneakers they on, had, I think. I'm going to call, I don't know what it's called. <clears throat> they had banana hammocks on. Their asses were just out. No, that's really not true. <laughs> I'm pretty They're, sure. Maybe I don't other, remember. Maybe I don't You don't away. remember. Maybe you were too I young. Said, yeah, that. Yeah, I do remember walking with my like 15 year old daughter and these two guys, <laughs> three. butt butt naked. It's three or four guys walking holding on. Butt arms. naked, seventy walking, just butt naked walking down the street. But you know, look. I don't know San, what that has to do with anything San Francisco else, mayor. San Francisco, you know, city council. District what the attorney. Is what, just, what the hell are you thinking? I mean, I mean, seriously. Okay, I want to talk about this because, go, but go ahead. If you have something go else on, to say go, about go that. Ahead. So I, I dove deep into researching all of this, why they came up with this idea, um, what other sort of legal uh, rulings and, and things like that this is based upon. So pretty much uh, what I could gather, and obviously I'm not a lawyer, so correct me if I'm wrong on some of this, if you know, but what they're trying to say is that they'll no longer prosecute these types of crimes, uh, quality of life crimes, you're urinating, defecating, or camping in public. Uh, the current way of dealing with this is they would ticket homeless people for, for breaking these laws. However, think about it. They're homeless. This is not high on their agenda to pay this. If they don't pay it, then they move on to issuing an arrest warrant. But do you know how hard it is to issue an arrest, uh, an arrest warrant for people who have a permanent residence, let alone people who are homeless that don't have one permanent address that you can find them at? So getting these people to actually appear in court is almost un unfeasible. Um, so pretty much they're saying that, uh, so one thing that I looked at too was comparing these to Seattle's, uh, civility laws, um, with San Francisco's new quality of life sort of, um, 
you know, dealings of how they're going to go about doing stuff. Uh, when not paid, I mean, it's hard. You can't track. You can't enforce these people. Um, they're broke. They're homeless. They don't really have a way to deal with this. There has to be a better way. This is what Boudin's saying um, to enhance public safety and health and reduce recidivism and promote, you know, provide immediate relief to these people who are offenders. You know, when people do these sort of quality of life infractions, ticketing them and issuing arrest warrants doesn't really do enough to disincentivize them from reoffending. You know, they're homeless. Most of these people people, you know, if they're indignant, they're not able to pay these tickets, paying a sort of public urination thing when you don't have a home is the last thing on your agenda or your list of priorities. And issuing arrest warrants doesn't encourage homeless people to access city social services like, you know, homeless shelters, which can then reduce actually the rate of recidivism. Um, Most quality of life infractions in San Francisco too, and this is something I wanted to touch on. I know I'm talking a lot, but stay with me. Do you know uh, what court they're actually heard heard in? No. Do you have any idea? No. Traffic court. How silly is that? The traffic commissioners are not trained to craft sentences for these types of offenses and opportunities or recommend treatment or social services. They, they don't have the ability to do that. And I looked up some stats. Over 60% of quality and life infractions are dismissed for lack of evidence or police not completing warrants 100%. Um, or reports 100%. 30% are issued a warrant for arrest but never get served because these people can't be found. Only 5% of these cases uh, successfully are completed with pretrial diversions. So let's talk about that. Like, I mean, what, what what I can see is that other court models, you know, in the sort of drug, mental health or community courts would be much better equipped to deal with this type of stuff. It feels like a waste of time and money the current way they're doing it. So I, let me hear your I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I, you know, my view on homelessness is nobody has a right to live in the streets and nobody has a right to defecate in the streets. And nobody has a right to urinate in the streets. The truth of the matter is. The the liberals and the I don't call them homeless advocates, but they they have this belief that the only problem with the so-called homeless is that they don't have a home. And I think Nobody's that's, saying that. uh, that, that's that's how they came up with this. When I was a kid, they were called bums. OK, well, that's they were called mentally ill. No, no. But hear me out on this okay. one. You, you know, th- there's a belief amongst some groups that if you provide these people with homes, then everything will be better. Okay. And 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 I, I guess my belief on that one is that just saying that masks a big problem. A lot of these people, I'd say that 65 to probably 85% of these people have some type of mental disease. Yeah. They do. I'd say an, 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 an almost the same numbers, you know. Are at it. Are addicts yeah. or alcoholics? No, I mean people are admitting that. You know, but well, they are. The Dems and well, nobody's saying that well, these people just don't have homes. Well, Give them a home, and this will all be solved. But no, but that's been the I policy of Gavin. That's been the policy maybe of Gavin, Gavin Newsom. Newsom. Yeah, no, no, no. I, but, I'll agree. But with you know, that. but but to me, the first policy has to be: these people represent a small, a very small minority of. Californians and San Franciscans. Well, that's not Angeles. true. That's what you said. That there's a no, huge no. percentage of homelessness. N- no, no. No. Okay. No. So These people represent a small part. What you have to do is stop ruining the rest. Stop ruining these cities because of these people. What to me, the first thing you do is you get these people off the streets. Do you have to treat them as criminals? No. But they're this, not criminals. But though. some are, Harriet. Some are. I don't want to say some are bums, but yeah, they are. Some are bums. I was reading one uh, one story uh, today about a woman in Los Angeles. She 
but she was, you know, she, you know, you know, she said, if I'm offered a place, I'm not going to take it. I like to live in the Who streets. Who said that? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there a, are a people home, that feel homeless, like that. There's a homeless person said that, but you know what? But but you know, but it's like people who get released from prison and then go oh, out onto well, the streets. Well, no, 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 no. And then they end up just doing a petty crime so they can be arrested and going back to prison. So they have three square meals a day and a warm place to sleep. How tragic is that, though? And I'm not saying nobody is honestly nobody that I can tell is saying these people just need homes and all their problems will go away. Everybody is admitting Boudin, Chesa Boudin is saying that the the problem is these people are usually mentally ill and also drug addicts. And currently the system that we have in place, which is, you know, uh, ticketing them with uh, something that they can never pay because they're homeless. Or then issuing an arrest warrant and then where do they get money for drugs? But that's what I understand. They where do you get money for drugs and alcohol? Crack is. Actually, I don't. No, I'm just. Should saying, I? I don't. I no, hope I I'm don't. saying though, Dad, you are. Yeah, last night up when I went down at the crack den and change for for things like that and alcohol. That's what your that's your addiction. You had a father who was an alcoholic. You know, like I don't did. you think that he prioritized getting alcohol of course over did. paying for other things? Certain times they're going to prioritize so their addiction. That, right? Well, one thing that was talked about that I dug into with all of this sort of information is that they're saying. We continue, you know, in a sense, maybe the the old way of doing things that people insist on doing this ticketing, but we also integrate, you know, agencies with different organizational cultures to work collaboratively together. So we pretty much integrate. Sounds like a lot of blah, 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 blah. Give me billions of dollars. Blah, no, blah, 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 blah. That's so rude. I know it is. Sorry. Okay, by integrating appropriate social services into the sort of case processing system. So when we ticket these people, we bring them in, ask them to appear in court. We do something, you know, where part of sanctions or part of their pretrial diversion options are we offer them access to drug counseling. We offer them mental health So you're saying counseling. what we should do. How about if we did this? What if we triaged the homeless where, where we went in and we, you know, the, you know, the, the various cities got money to go in with, with a police officer, with a mental health person, with somebody maybe from social services. And like these people don't understand nobody in their right mind. I mean, you know, I don't know. Nobody I, in their I, right mind is choosing to that. defecate I on ho- the street. I hope that's the truth. So one thing I have to say, too, is that Denver has a youth homeless problem. Teens are running away from abusive family situations. How would you recommend solving that? What do you think those people need? Do you think that they're not entitled? Not entitled is not the right word. But don't you think that everybody has a right to have a home in which they feel safe? I think with I think no right. There are no rights that don't have responsibilities. But what about teens, homeless youth? Uh, How do do we address that? Youth shelters are full of rape and trauma and abuse. So how do we deal with that? I still think we need to get people off the streets. Yeah, but do you think but what you would say by all, busing them away from San Diego think, as if we're putting them in like concentration I, camps? Can I is tell that solution? you? I'd rather have people in a safe area. Where? That is, what is the government considering? Where are we sending know, these people? We have loads of places in the rural areas. You call them concentration camps. I don't call them that. I would call them places of triage centers. But what are they, they doing? Get- are they rehabilitating these people? I mean, the point of a prison, like, you know, it's supposed to be rehabilitation. That's not what it ended up being. Look at our prison system, the amount of people that come out and reoffend again, or the amount of people that go into prison I, and get hooked on drugs I think, and come out of that. Well, I think prison is just not for rehabilitation. I think prison is for punishment. 
But it also is meant to rehabilitate. No, it's primarily supposed to be rehabilitation, though. Yes, it's punishment. You're sending people away, but you're not sending people away. Let's go back to homeless. No, no, no. But what I'm saying, though, is what, no, no, no. But what I'm saying, though, is it relates to these things that you're saying we're going to send these people away to these, quote unquote, like rehabilitation triage camps. But is that what people are actually going to do? Or is this just going to be some sort of, I don't want to see the homeless in San Diego, get them out of here, send them away where I don't have to think about this problem. But the truth of the matter is, if you keep them where they are, they're causing, they are causing typhus to come back. No, I know. They're causing, causing cholera to come back. No, I, no, trust they, me, I understand they're, they're you know, a public safety they issue will and bring, health issue. This group will bring us all down. Granted, some homeless advocates actually like, like the fact that, that, that there is attention to the homeless now. I, I mean, granted, look. What do you it, mean? Like, do you think they it, like the know, attention for the fact that they're spreading diseases? The Bible says. Oh God, no! No, but hear okay. me, hear me out. Hear okay, me out. go ahead. I'm Teach not a, a I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not a Bible thumper. But, no, you're not. But, but the Bible does tell us that that you know the poor will always be with us. Do I believe that? Well, look, I'm a California. You were poor. You grew well, up poor. Well, well, look, I'm a Californian and I'm an American. Yes. But the thing I realized too, having grown up with nothing. Yeah. And having nothing, you know, is that. The poor have not just rights, they have responsibilities. And the problem is... But don't you think those who have a lot have responsibilities to the poor? That's something you mentioned to me before. I agree, though. I agree there, too. But that's why... But I think our government officials have a responsibility to do something about this. Don't just give us a tax. Like, you know, my understanding is, you know, we have, we have you know, state taxes. We have local taxes, city taxes. We have so many damn ordinances now that supposedly helped the homeless problem. The truth is they're making it worse. By, by, by giving in, you make it worse. The only person I think who has shown any way to make a city safe has been Rudy Giuliani, Mayor Giuliani oh, of New York. He had the broken windows. Now. People love Rudy Giuliani. If you go back there, if you saw New York City in the 70s and the 80s, it was a dump. And now- Who Rudy, was mayor of New York during 9-11? Uh, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Okay. Rudy Giuliani has actually brought that city back into areas. No, I mean, one thing I can say is New York. Areas I that, felt very safe compared to San Francisco. I, 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 I mean, but so, so look, we we got to probably move. Yeah, no, I, this, I know. But, but, but there's but, no, no, what we can agree so, but, on. Well, Both but, sides want to solve the homeless issue. We just disagree about how to do it. Well, but let's let's get to specifics because okay. you know, I'm a corporate lawyer and no, I'm I a know. business guy and I like to leave a conversation with, he likes with, to leave a conversation feeling like he's won. No, 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 no <laughs> not exactly. You know, in America, nobody wins when we have homeless. The, you, you know, see, that's wins. what I'm saying. But so, but let's you and I come up with three three things that we think we Would think help. we think government or we could do right now. Just you and I. Just, so <laughs> just go out. Why don't and you start it off? So, what are the three things that you think that are the most? You know, what's the low hanging fruit? For us to be able to make a difference in the homeless people's lives. Goodness. What do you think? So, I mean, obviously there's a ton of what we can do, but what I would say is, you know, I do believe that the way in which we're currently going about dealing with these quality of life infractions isn't working. You know, I don't necessarily, I think the way in which Boudin saying to go about doing this is like, oh, I'm just not going to persecute it anymore. It's a lot deeper than that. I think Republicans tend to pick up on this. Well, we're just not going to pers- prosecute it anymore. And, and that's because we just don't believe in doing anything about it. That's not true. I think what they're saying is the current way in which we're going about dealing with this isn't working because, you know, it's like suing someone that, you know, has no money or assets. It's kind of pointless. I've seen that firsthand. First 
personally in some business dealings. And it just doesn't make sense to ticket these people and then get mad or, you know, be like, oh, I can't believe they didn't pay it. These people can't afford food. I know I'm getting there. I'm just saying that I think what we should do is if we are going to continue to do things like that and and find these people, we should, you know, we should put some sort of social services aspect into the proceedings. These things should one big thing, take these away from traffic court. Traffic court is for traffic violations, not dealing with people who have defecated or urinated or are homeless and camping out on the street or all of them, mentally ill or drug addicted or both most likely. So what's your three solutions? So Okay, so I, okay, if I Gavin told you Newsom, one, bring these out of traffic court, okay. put them into either- So Gavin Newsom is yes. listening today. Gavin, hey city. Gavin, this hey, is Gavin. all wrapped up into this. It's your, it's your yeah. Hey Gavin moment, say it. So what we're going to do is we're going to take these out of traffic court and put them into other court models, such as a mental health drug or community court that are better equipped to deal with and recommend social treatment and services. Number two would be to improve, I would say, improve homeless shelters and make affordable housing options safer. Um, I think that that's something I, I've worked with um, battered women shelters. I've worked with domestic abuse centers like Becky's house uh, when I was at university with my sorority. And one thing that women, the reason why there's the demand for you know women's only shelters is because the amount of assault and rape that goes on and violence and theft in these shelters is astronomical. I don't know how to go about solving that. I don't know if it's increased security, okay. whatever that needs to be. That's That's what we need to do. Another thing, that I would say, and this this goes together, and this is an example I gave my dad, and this is something I think Kamala Harris said. I know obviously it's a touchy subject. My dad hates her. I don't hate her. Uh, I just, I'm disappointed by her because I think she's got a lot of potential, but I think she sometimes bottom feeds here. And and I, I, I just, I, you know, I'll come, I can't, first of all, so I can, first of all, I can't pronounce her name. First of all, you got to get a better name. Oh the, the, my God. I can pronounce, but, but it, seriously, if you want to, you ever want to call me and we'll talk it through. <laughs> We'll talk it through, but you know, I am. I think you have a lot of potential. I think you tend to blame people, and and I don't think blaming us is getting is, is actually solving problems right now. I think the way to solve a problem is to work together. And and you know, if you keep calling us names and I keep calling you names, it's not solving anything. You mean like drunk Nancy Pelosi? I don't think I ever caught her drunk. No, but that's you okay. didn't. Okay, but anyway, my third thing. Number can three. I, can I number three. Please? Number okay. three. Okay. So anyway, one thing Kamala said, and this relates to my third point, is she talked about the way in which we are all one bad business decision, one missed paycheck, you know, one, uh, you know, back problem, which then leads to prescription painkiller addiction, which is how a lot of these people get hooked on oxycodone um, and then start taking uh, heroin, which is the street form of it, is, you know, you're in a lower income housing. Uh, You get a a bill one month for your utilities. It's $100 more than you can afford that month. You budget it out just enough to pay your rent and pay your usual utilities bill. So you can't pay your utilities. They shut off the lights. A contingency of living in this low-income housing unit is that you need to keep your lights on. So they evict you. You try to find other housing opportunities, but you have an eviction notice on your credit report. So you're turned down. You and, you know, you're a single mom, you and your kids end up living in your car. But guess what? You can't live in your car in San Diego. That's not allowed. So somebody sees you with your kids in your car and they call CPS. CPS comes and takes your kids away. 
that is such a common story for so many people that happens. You know, not all homeless people are just drugged out meth addicts with mental illness. There are a lot of people that want to make ends meet, but are in shitty situations that are fleeing domestic violence, that are fleeing abusive husbands. And they're just trying to do what they can. And women's shelters and homeless shelters are overcrowded. We need to do something to help families stay together while dealing with homelessness. I don't know exactly what that is. And I'm not saying no kid deserves to live on the street, but kids belong with their parents. If their parents are doing everything they can to try to get jobs and provide a roof over their head for their kids, I don't feel like it's fair to further punish the parents by putting the kids in a foster care system where they're likely to also just get lost in the shuffle of the foster care system. So your third, your third. That's my third point is that there needs to be some sort of way in which I don't know what it is necessarily, but we need to come up with a way in which we help single mothers or struggling families with young kids to to get out of homelessness and find affordable housing. Okay. That's my thing. Okay. Let me give my three. Let me give my rebuttal here. The first one is we need to get people off the streets. Period. That's number one, you know, people don't have a right to live on the streets, nor, you know, it's not safe. It is not conducive to anybody. It doesn't help anybody. You know, we saw in Los Angeles last week, I think, you know, where, where statistics came out with the number of homeless that have died or have been murdered on the streets of Los Angeles over the last couple of years is just horrendous. You know, it is a terrible way to live. I think we all agree it's a terrible way to live. But the fact that we tolerate it you know, it's like the broken windows policy. We should not tolerate it anymore. Wait, what is the broken windows policy? Well, the broken windows policy is the way to fix a neighborhood is to go around and to fix the broken windows oh, so that. Okay. Pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> well, that's, that's, but, yeah. but you know, you know, one of the things Republicans and, and, and conservatives, I, I think, try to do is to go back to the basic messages, to go back to the basic messages of, of, of our country and our time. So, but, you know, some of these answers are right in front of us, but. We try to have these complicated solutions, you know, but part of this, you know, so the the first one is really, you know, just get people off the streets. The second one is, you know, getting to what I was saying, we need to, you know, because somebody is not successful at something, that doesn't mean the system is broken. It means that they don't under, that they don't have the ability to be successful at this. Explain. Well, for example, if, if somebody commits a crime, you don't blame the system. You've got to blame the person who commits the crime. So you're relating this back to, <clears throat> I'm going to assume, what, mass shootings? You don't blame oh, the Oh, we're gun. not going to go on mass shootings. Blame. Let's focus on But that's a pretty right similar. Now. Let's focus uh, on yeah. homelessness. All right, right so, all right. So, but where I'm going with that is this obligation, these, these rights and responsibilities. The thing that I feel some people are doing is they're giving up. And, and I know some people could say that, well, people who are homeless not aren't giving up. They're, they're still trying to live, but... You know, part of our society, I think, you know, sort of lets people say it's not your fault. You know, homeless because you're homeless is not your fault because you can't take care of your kids. It's not your fault because your spouse is not, you know, your your baby daddy, your baby mama is not with you. That's not your fault. But at some point we have to realize as individuals. Yeah. You know what? Your life sometimes is is in your hands and there are things that you can do if you give up. And you just and you just look to the state or the social services to help you. You're not going to ever ever get out. And so you know, I don't care if it's religion or if it's family or whatever. Some people need to get something. And instead of some time, it goes you know it goes back to, to the Bible again. You know you know don't just <laughs> let's stop throwing it back to the Bible, please. Don't just give people <laughs> a fish. Teach them how to fish. 
And, yes, but and, if that and, and, person has borderline personality disorder or you. bipolar disorder and they break with reality, they aren't on a level playing field. But I agree with you. If someone's mentally yeah, sound yeah. and not a drug addict, no, but there's that's a level why, of Harry, responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, so my second recommendation is a triage system. And under the triage system, you know, we, you know, there are, as you say, there are some homeless who are just broke. And there are some people who can't pay the bills and they get kicked out of the house. And here, there's nothing else wrong with them. In fact, that, you know, the, the, the only thing is they're just broke right now and they need a place to stay. My experience with people like that, you know, I've been one of those people, yeah. you, you know, not as an adult, but as a kid. And, you know, what you would typically do is we is we don't pay bills yeah. or or we go and we live in some friend's house or a parent's house. And you were lucky or, to have a big family too. Or we live in know? a car. Uh, that's I not mean, allowed in San Diego. Well, that's legal. There are know, a couple of parking lots I think that have been designated. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know so, so, but I guess what I'm saying there is we need to triage people. Who are those where if, if we just helped out a, a bit with the bills or we gave people you know, we help people with their career paths or we gave them skills or we gave them jobs. You know, some Republicans are against giving governmental jobs. You know, you know, back during the Great Depression, 1929 to like 1935 or 36, we had something in the U.S. called the Civilian, you know, Civilian Conversation. Cons- yeah. It's okay. <laughs> the Civilian <laughs> Conservation Corps. That's tough to say when you talk about it. But the, the CCC. And some Republicans said, the economy's broken, just let it go go back. We don't need a jobs program. But, you, you know, you know, uh, 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 Franklin D. Roosevelt, I'm sorry, yeah, Franklin D. Roosevelt said, no, that's not the case. When people are down, we have to help them. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there are some instances when I think government needs to be involved. And, you know, I, I disagree with the pure libertarians who say we don't need to you know, We don't need government in our lives at all, yeah. But, but to me, the triage process would work as this. Number one category is who can we help economically and can they get out of this poverty this, cycle, this, this poverty cycle and move forward. And then secondly, you know, sort of a subset there is as, as Senator Rick Santorum once said, and, and I was, I was one of his uh, co-chairs of his president, the second presidential campaign here in California. But one of the things Rick said was, uh, uh, you know, was that the number, the number one way to keep a family out of poverty is to have two parents in the family. And, you know, one of the big things that that we're we're sort of dismissing a little bit is the power of the family. Every person needs two people. But that's and, I, that's that's idealism here. I know. If but you have the, an abusive spouse, but at if the you have same someone who's beating time, the shit out of you or is a drug should, addict. Maybe we should have a plan or, or maybe there should be something. I don't know, a government hookup service. I don't know. But, what are you talking but, about? But, but something to where... We, you know, we have, you know, and it could be a program of. Uh, you can't make someone want to be a parent well, just, and stick around. Well, hear me. Hear okay. Me, hear okay. Me. So, so maybe it's uh, not, 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 what do you call it? A step. What do you call it? A, a godparent type of is okay. a situation where, where, you know, when you're born, you have godparents who have a legal responsibility for you. We need, I, I guess what I'm saying on this second part is we need to understand that these are our family members. We need to understand that people need more than one parent. A lot of parents in this country are, you know, a lot of times this falls on mothers, sometimes it falls on single well, what about fathers. if they have a parent who dies? Like, I agree, ideally, but, but, it's but, great, but no, it's no, not but, realistic. No, I, I disagree. You really think it's everything, realistic to have two everything parents is, in every Everything home. is on the table. What about table. divorce? Everything is on the table today. If you have a divorce, then the other spouse has an obligation. The other, 
parent has an obligation. That's why this concept of step parents, that's why the concept of community care or family care. One of the things Mayor Kevin Falconer is doing in San Diego right now is, is he's trying, they're having him trying to have a problem to hook homeless people up with their family members in different states so that they can then take responsibility for Can I talk to you about that really quick? Because I actually have a direct uh, story about this. So I'm a part of a community because my husband and I actually, we're looking to move to Pacific Beach. uh, So I joined all these communities. Go ahead, what were you gonna say? Harriet just gonna say she's not homeless. My daughter's no, not, they're not about, living no, in their car. That's they're living in a stop. nice place in Upper La Jolla. So it's stop. actually okay. But uh no no no. But this I, family <laughs> takes care of my family. Oh my gosh, yes. No, my dad and my I'm extremely blessed. And I do have to say, I myself could have faced homelessness if I didn't have the help of my family at certain points in my life. It's just it's true, it's it's a fact. But what I was gonna say is that I joined a group, uh Social Pacific Beach, it's a Facebook group, and and one of the things that breaks my heart and that people talk about all the time is, you know, homelessness. There's a lot of people that share things like ho- ho- homeless people, uh, you know, pooping on the street. It's not ideal. Doing drugs, having seizures on the side of the road from overdoses. And you call, you know, an ambulance. They come they come out, make sure the person is OK. They usually refuse treatment and they go away. But there's this woman. Um, there's, there's a person who posted about this, this young man. Probably I think he's in his early 20s. He dresses all in white, looks very clean, talks to people, extremely friendly, kind of keeps to himself. But he sleeps usually in people's driveways or he'll sleep on the side of the road. Um, he, he, people commented on him and then his aunt actually saw this photo. She's in the group as well and said, Hey, so that's my nephew. His parents uh, live in Chicago. They have been trying to get him help. They have brought him. He's not a drug addict. He's just mentally a little, not all there. Um, he is antisocial. He doesn't want their help. They bring him home. He runs away again. He likes living on the street. He tries to keep a job, but he won't keep a cell phone. Um, And it's heartbreaking. His parents are like middle upper class people who adore their son and they can't get him to come home. Like those are the cases of of like homeless people that you see, like their family loves them. But what can you do? Well, maybe what we can do is what Republican Mayor Kevin Faulkner, and look, I'm not trying to make this a Democratic and Republican. This this is a people issue. Because frankly, as, as Harriet said, you know, this is affecting all of us. This is affecting and, us and, all. And, like you said, when anybody is homeless or struggling oh, it affects or impoverished, everybody. It affects everybody. it's all of our responsibility. But you know, one of the things we can't do, and, and and you know, maybe this is the former Democrat in me, or maybe this is the Republican in me now, we can't turn our heads. No, we can't act and, like this and, isn't happening. You know, and the truth is, if we don't deal with this now, it is going to come back. And I mean, there, you know, there, there's no place else to turn anymore. And you know, I don't want to mix up issues here, but one of the reasons why I'm against illegal immigration right now is because I want to take care of America first. And, and, and I do. And, 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 and I think President Trump wants to take care of America first. You know, we want we have some bad problems here that we have to take care of. And, you know, America, we have to realize we have an opiate issue. We have an alcohol issue. We have a issue. benzodiazepine overprescription issue. We have a issue. We have a, a just, we have a big pharma issue, and know, we're going to talk about know, that in another podcast. Yeah, you know, we have a drug issue, and I think the one thing we can agree as Democrats and Republicans here is there's no more turning your head. It's upon us, and either we're all going to go down with we this. We owe it or, to the next generation to yeah, figure this shit yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, you know, or you know, the thing is, and look, I'm not going to say anything bad about Indian Americans or India or that, but. But to be honest with you, if, if the world is, is if the world becomes what I, I haven't been to India, but what I hear with the poverty in that, we can't live like that. That's not, that's un-American. I mean, I, I mean, you know, 
This country was founded on us treating everybody equally. But, you know, we cannot have a society where I think San Francisco is going. It's going to work. We have super rich. We have super rich and we have super poor. And the truth of the matter is we can't continue like that. That is, you know, and and the the one thing about Harriet and I, we live in California. Why do we keep talking about California? Because I think it's the best state ever. Well, but (laughs) but California, as California goes, the rest of the country goes. Things traditionally have started here first. And we are facing a crucial situation. I mean, there's a reason why health and wellness trends that happened first in Los Angeles are now spreading to areas like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you know. And and the homeless will, you know, even though we have better weather here for it, the homeless problem, if we don't deal with it right now, it's going to be with us for a long time. So, so look, you know. I think we talked about this extensively, so I feel like we covered it. Yeah, so, you you, you know. My third way here, yeah, though, sorry, is you know, just finishing off in the triage system. There are some who are economic poor. Some it could, could be family unification. Some have, have addictions where there's no mental disease, and some have mental disease. Yeah. And, and, and some they, people have both. And the sad thing is, if you work backwards, the people who have mental disease, they need help. And, and, you know, we all would like to not have them in institutions, but maybe halfway houses or with their families or, you know, but we got to figure out a way for them. Yeah. For the people who are addicted, we need, these people need help and they need help. And if you're an insurance company out there, just open your friggin' checkbooks right now. If we solve this, if we get this problem, if we get it going now, we won't have a problem later. If we fail on this one, we're all at risk. And one of the things too, like you said, is we obviously need rehab centers and stuff like that. But one thing that's been proven is that rehab alone and then just for these people to go back to the streets, they end up getting addicted again and starting to use again. So in order to solve addiction, we need to solve the homeless issue. It all works together, you know? So summing up, look, you know, this is not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's not a declining state issue. It's an American issue. And it's coming to a city near you. And for the powers that be in California and Democrats, listen to us now. We're all in this together. Listen to us. Cue High School Musical. We're all I'm in this together. together. Yeah. So. So, but anyway, so so look, I think we have time probably for one like or one two more, topic, more quick, yeah. quick issues. You know, you the one issue that, you know that that's affected me this week has been. <laughs> it's all about me. It's me, all me, about me. 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 <laughs> all about me. So this one is really, you know, the the you know there was an article in the, in the Union Tribune out here in San Diego. It's our local paper. There was an article about the number of foreign students and specifically the number of Chinese nationals. And we're not talking about Chinese Americans or, or other Asian Americans. We're talking about people from China, from the PRC. You have to say it. Say it. China. China. <laughs> but you know, we're talking about you know what I. Nihao with the pangyos. What I consider the large number of people from the PRC who are in in the University of California system. Now, for those who are outside of the state, the University of California system is actually it it, it it's we have a couple tiers of, of 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 California state schools. We have community colleges. We've got uh, state schools that say you know California State blah blah blah, and then we have the University of California schools. It's confusing. <laughs> It's sort of like Michigan. Michigan is the same way with University Michigan, of Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah. But, you know, so, so, but, but, you know, um, this article in the Trib was saying about how politics is keeping the number of Chinese PRC students down. 
And when I saw the figure, so I guess I guess at UCSD, which is University of California at San Diego. I live right next to it, by the way. Yeah, there are almost 40,000 students a year, and that's a combination of undergrads and grads. But the number of, of foreign students was, I think, around 8,000, and the number of Chinese students was almost 6,000. So that to me- it's Like Chinese national. Chinese yeah. national students. So that's like one eighth of the, you know, of the students going there are from China. And so, you know, if we think about it here, look, you know, as I mentioned, I'm from the cold regions of Pennsylvania, where where a lot of kids would love to go to the University of California. It's a cold system. cracker through and through. <laughs> and, and, you know, the people in San Diego, people in Escondido and, and you know, Los Angeles, you know, you know, uh, San Francisco Bay Area, they'd all love to go to the UCs. But, you know, when I see that one eighth of the, of the of the students there are actually students from a foreign country, I say that something is wrong with the system. And, you know, look. But let's talk about why. I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, look, and again, we don't want to say anything about, you know, the, the people we've met in China and the students we have met. This is not about, this is really not. No, this not, isn't a racial thing. You know, this, this is a. Well, and, and, and it's not about them because the people we've met have been very polite. No, the people that the are whole, coming here and studying very CSD bright. are doing it because they want to, they're very smart. They want to be in San Diego, which I understand. I mean, who doesn't want to be? It's honestly the university's fault. But yeah, and, and, and you know, we're talking about Lori. Oh, was it Laughlin and Lawlin and, Lawlin Felicity and, and, and Felicity Huffman and the whole and you know cheating scandals? And you know we all keep well, we keep blaming the parents, but you know. Well, we should. So let's not well, let's not get around some that. of the things they did. I think, but you know, but but you know, it's starting. You know, we should start talking let's about hold the universities accountable. Let's start let's hold the universities accountable here. Let's hold the middlemen accountable here. Are the people who bring these students over and who get who paid accept for it. the tuition? That's yeah, and, three and, times and, that to well, add their staff. Well, let's be 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 clear here. My understanding of it is, if you're from California. Uh, you pay a certain amount for tuition and room and board. Yeah. If you're from outside of California and from abroad, you pay almost three times the tuition amount and the like. But, you know, you know, my problem is a couple things. One, I don't have a people, I don't have a problem with the people of the uh, the People's Republic of China. I have, a, I have a big problem with the Chinese communist government there. I think everybody and, does. And, and well, but, you know, when we were there, the Chinese Communist government was trying to become more democratic. Yeah. I, I think and with you Chairman, see the trend, I, I think you know, with Chairman Xi, it's gone the other way. Yeah, it's insane. And and it, you know, you have officials in the Chinese government and Chinese military coming out and talking about sinking ships with 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 ten thousand U.S. sailors on them. Yeah. You know, we have to realize that. This is a party who, in our lifetime, they don't like us. You know, they don't like us, so we are probably going to go to war with them. Which is horrible. You know, and we'll, but, but what's happening is we're, you know, we're we're essentially educating the enemy or the potential enemy. How does that make sense from a military position? Secondly, shouldn't we be spending our resources on helping our own kids when it's easier for a citizen of the PRC? to go to a University of California system in San Diego, in a UCSD than it is for a San Diegan. Yeah. And no. let me just mention a personal yeah. case here right now. I work for, I work for a Chinese company and, and, and you know, the, in, in Hangzhou, China. And Beautiful place, uh, Zhejiang Dashue, Zhejiang University, amazing school. And, 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 you know, that person, you know, my, you know, my friend's daughter got into UCSD. My own daughter, who's from San Diego, who went to one of the best schools in San Diego and got great grades, and 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 who was told by you know you know who's you know the, the guidance counselors at a lot of San Diego schools have been telling their kids you're not going to get into UCs, you know, and, and and it's ridiculous. Our own kids 
can't get into these. You know. And that's everyone, not just white people. It's no. all California students. No, Asian, no, no. And, it, and it's so Latino. hard to do that. And then thirdly, the University of California system had a great. Oh my God! Okay. Had a great this, program. Yeah, they had a great program in which you went to a um, local community college for two years, and I forget what it was called. It, it was. Oh, I'll think of it. But uh, it was like a transfer in program, and so after two years at a community school, community college, if you had the right grades and a good GPA, I think it was what like a three point eight yeah. or above, you could just transfer in to a UC school, which I think was awesome. And my my husband's that. best friend, I think, ended up doing yeah. that, and the year I think it's either twenty ten or I want to say twenty twelve, the program. Yeah. Um, they, they were looking to get more foreign students who could afford to pay this crazy high tuition. Um, and they said that it went towards funding, you know, um, initiatives like building new buildings on campus and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, all right, fine. You want nicer things. But I, I just don't understand how it's hurting the people in which these schools were initially created to help, which yeah. are students from California that want a great education, but can't afford to pay Stanford University prices. Yeah. And fourthly, or University of San Diego prices. And, and fourthly, we have to realize why do we want, why are we building colleges for kids in Cal, in San Diego and California? We're doing that so we're giving the local work, the local employers, the skill sets for the students so that they can get jobs and build our community. Exactly. How does it How necessarily it help by us educating students who are going to go back to China? I mean, how does that help our local workforces? And also, isn't it more fair to give preference to Californians? It should. You then it should give, be. Then to give preference to other Americans who also Can contribute, you know, who, who keep California safe, whose kids go to you know, you know, the you service, know, yeah. who pay taxes, federal taxes. And then thirdly, if we're going to have foreign students, why not have those foreign students who are from democratic countries or from those countries who are close to us, like Mexico or Central America? Why do we have to go to China to get but those But do you students? think people would be any happier if people were coming from Mexico and taking up an eighth of the places? I think you'd be having the same conversation. I don't think I'd be having these conversations because, one, I'm very concerned about us educating the Chinese workforce. I'm very concerned about the Chinese. Well, this is another thing you talked yeah, about, too, yeah, yeah. with the Union Trib article. You tweeted about it, actually, um, yeah. which is weird to say. My dad didn't have a Twitter. And, I mean, he did. It was just very inactive. For a while. He tweets now. Look Follow him, tweets. at Randy Berholtz. But uh, one thing you had said and that you called bullshit on and you sent me a, you know, a, a, an angry email about it was that uh, people are saying the reason that it's gone down, though, in the last, what was it, year, the enrollment of students from China coming to uh, UCSD to study was that they felt like the rhetoric in the country towards foreigners, like, for example, the rhetoric that my dad just proposed that we're, quote, kind of educating the potential enemy um, is, you know, that this is not like Canadians or this is not like Mexicans. No, I get it. But like, it obviously hurts these, because the thing is, and this is something we've seen, obviously, too, for the most part of the youth in Hong Kong, the young people are the future, obviously, that's just a case in point. And this kind of ties into the, the, the Hong Kong stuff, too, that we talked about. Young people, especially young people that we met in China, they don't like the current system. They can't say it because they'll be thrown in jail, but they want freedom. They listen to Lady Gaga. They want to see R-rated but, movies from America come over there. But, but, isn't you know? it a, but isn't it a problem right now? The Chinese are the Chinese government is exerting more influence in America to where our, our campuses should be having protests in support of Hong Kong right now. No, no, no. I'm 100% with Kong you. Right no, no, no. Totally agree with yeah. you. I think, though, obviously, if you're a Chinese student over here from the PRC, you don't want to threaten your ability to stay here and have the Chinese government come and yank you home it's like the, by the, protesting the NBA in too Hong is Kong. Afraid of, everybody's now afraid of the Chinese government. They're all afraid Can of losing money. Can you blame them? 
I mean, yeah, but at the same time, though, yeah, I get you got to realize enemy, if we do not. You know, the truth of it is, and 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 I'll be honest with you, you know, we've been to China, we've talked. Yes, to people, but we've been to China as white Americans. But not, I've talked with people. You know? I've taught Chinese students, and and I'm telling you, there is still that Tian, Tiananmen Square crowd that wanted that that was actually lifting the statue, you know, the Statue of Liberty in Tiananmen Square because they're looking at our values. People are raising the American flag in Hong Kong now. They're saying to us, help us. Yeah. If we do not help these people. What are we doing? Then that battle between, that, makes this look so that bad. battle between communism is not gonna, we're gonna lose Hong Kong, we're gonna lose Taiwan, we're gonna lose all those countries in that area. And that battle is gonna be on our doorsteps. So if it, the choice for us is we can either fight it now when we're strong, but we fight it we later. We fight it later on. When we we're fight weaker. it later when we're not. And and you know, and I I say to the you know I say to uh, Chairman Xi right now, you know, of course you're not listening here, but maybe your spies <laughs> are. On that. But you know, I doubt well, Chairman G is listening to our podcast. I don't know. Maybe but he does. But it could be like the uh, oh, what was the movie? The interview with Seth Rogen, where it turns out that Kim Jong Un was a, a big fan of like talk shows and Katy Perry. Kim so Jong Un, if you're listening here, buddy, that's that's fine too. But you know, look, look what the point is. Go get your is, cholesterol tested. What the Kim. point is, if China <laughs> wants to be. You know, look, we've talked about opening up China and we wanted to open up China for a long time. You know, we are going to be competitive with China. There is no doubt. China is, is a great civilization. But if China wants to be, if, if they want to be on the world stage, we are not going to be on the world stage with, with a, with a, with a communist dictatorship. Well, and China they're two-faced right liars. Let's be honest here. If we're going to call them, if they were a teenage girl, we call them a lion little biatch. Because frankly, when they let Hong or let when Hong Kong rejoined, you know, China in 1997, they were told that they would adhere to the whole one country, two systems. You don't know what you've been missing. <laughs> is a songwriter slash poet in his spare time. He's very likes likes to, to to flex his creative muscle. And we don't want this to go get stolen, so we won't go too much into it. Or stoled. Or stoled if you're from Shimokin. But he has a great song about about Hong Kong and the one party, two systems. You don't know what you've been missing. You met a boy from Hong Kong and then everything started going wrong. We'll leave you with that. And if you want to hear more, let us know on our Instagram and we will work on it. I, I'll, I'm a we'll songwriter. We'll work on that song. <laughs> but Harry either way, sing it. I I'll sing, sing it. it. He can do the, the background vocals and, and rap maybe. But uh, but either way, what I was saying is that they are not adhering to what they agreed to, which was the, what was it? One country, One country and two, two but, systems. But two systems and really honoring that. That's, that's not being honored. And the youth, and obviously, as we said, these protests are going on and demonstrations, and I don't even know if you can call it like mass. Honestly, I mean, it's slightly terrorism in a sense because the way in which they're going about doing things and it's horrible all around. But what they want is they want their freedom. They want democracy. Mm. And the the PRC and, and Beijing and everyone, everything, it, they're not giving it to them. And what the PRC is trying to say and news coming out of Beijing is saying, oh, they're not fighting back because of, and I talked to my dad about this earlier today, they're not fighting back because of anything we're doing. They're, they're just copying what they see in England and America. And this is the result of what they're doing. What the hell? We're, we're being blamed because you guys are bullies but guys if you don't take a tough stand now you it's know, gonna be bad we will be paying for it later now's the time to look the chinese and the, the, the communist chinese in the eye and say if you want to be part of this world stage if you want to be my lover you gotta get with my friends I'll tell spice you girls i'll tell you what we ended on we ended with the spice girls that's great but i'll tell you what 
This is Randy Berholtz. And, and this is Harriet Berholtz. And we're sorry to leave you with something so dark. We promise to start it off lighter next week. Um, anything well, else we you did, can think well, of? We did end it with a, with a quote from the- uh, With the Spice Girls. Spice yeah, Girls. exactly. So, so that's good. So but, we'll wrap that up. So, but we have something that will be coming to you guys soon. We're listening uh, to your suggestions that people want to know what we look like and see us interact on camera. And we will be releasing, and we keep saying this, but it definitely is coming. We're filming it this week. Uh, a how to interact with your semi-racist or major majorly racist relatives uh, over the holiday season and on Thanksgiving. Please follow us. I'm not mentioning any names, Grandma. <laughs> no, stop it. Uncle <laughs> Aunt Karen. Um, <laughs> but either way, uh, follow us on Now Hear Me Out Podcasts. That's our handle on Instagram. And our YouTube channel is Now Hear Me Out Podcast as well. And follow, follow us, us there. Follow us on our Twitter accounts and any other way you can follow us. Yes, we have our individual ones. Uh, my dad is at Randy.Bearholtz on Twitter. Um, and I don't have one at the moment, but I will set it up and let you guys know next time. All right, thank you so much for listening. We hope you guys have a fabulous rest of your week. I'm Harry Berholtz. And I'm Randy Berholtz. And, and we'll see off. you later. Take care then.